irreverent, entertaining, cool. You're listening to LA Talk Radio. You're listening to Razor Riffs with Keith Razor and Alan Lee right here on LA Talk Radio. All right, welcome to the show. I'm yeah. here with Alan Lee, my trusty sidekick, sure and over our here. guest, the legendary Bobby Slayton. Yeah, wow, we're, we're excited. You, know, you should really throw in comedian Bobby Slayton, because not really many people know who I am. You know, I've done a lot of podcasts. You know what the greatest thing about doing this podcast is? I, mean, I know I'm serious. I know you think I'm going to yeah. slam you guys. Don't worry. But it's right down the street from my house. And oh. people who live in L.A. or have been to L.A., I mean, a lot of cities are like this, but... To have anything close by you yeah. in Los Angeles yeah. is sure. an amazing thing. You know, you know. I, I grew up in New York. I mean, you know, sometimes you have to go take the subway to Brooklyn, but you, you always have things in the neighborhood. Here, there's no neighborhood. There's no walking. Because I live up in the hills, so just to come down the street. But here's the best part. So, Keith... Uh, you know the thing I was going to talk about this. I, like you, you asked me, you opened up for me at the uh, was it the Bray Improv? Bray Improv. You hounded me to do the show. I said I'd be happy to do it. But then I said to you, "Where are we doing the show? Is it? Is it? Because you know, I don't want to drive to Santa Monica. You know, I don't. I don't want to. You know, that, that's the thing. I, yeah. The only friends I really have are the ones who live in the Valley. And I get friends who live in Santa Monica. Well, why can we never get together? Because it's such a bitch to drive around this mm-hmm. city. And I travel all the time. So when you said to me, we actually taped the show right in Sherman Oaks. You go where? And you go right on Ventura Boulevard. I go right down the street from my house. And then you sent me the address. And I'm very anal about this. And oh. uh, <laughs> but I, I never get. You know, I, I always get places early. And even though it's yeah. right down. The Street for miles. I was there 20 minutes early. And I look at this deserted building, and I said, I, you know, I know this is like a half-ass radio show, <laughs> a half-ass station, but it can't be like all. It looks more like a hideout where like like terrorists are. Like if they rob a bank from the Superman TV show, they would hang out with the, the curtains are drawn and their broken Venetian blinds. I said, this really looks like a crappy place. And then I call you and I go, can you let me in? You know, and uh, you, 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 not only did you have the address wrong, you had the street wrong. Now, how, how did that happen? Okay. How, how, how did how, happen? Tell me how that happened. Okay, here's the thing. Uh, it's better be good. Okay. When the show first started, before LA Talk Radio, it was on Ventura Boulevard. Mm-hmm. So when I gave you the address, right. uh, they didn't update it on the site. Mm-hmm. Oh, I just so it was, what, was it ever it, in that it, building, yeah. 14242? Yeah. It used to be there. Many years ago. Wow. And then I went and you called me, I was like, did I give you that address? And I looked at the emails, and I was like, I did. And I felt like... Yeah. A, I, felt I hope like you a, felt terrible. I felt horrible. Good. <laughs> Were there any good. good restaurants down there? You stopped and had a little something. I was, but you know what? Coming over, I was, gonna, I was, gonna, I was running late because yeah. of you. And I said, well, maybe I'll just make them sweat yeah. out and walk in no, two minutes before you know, taping time. Oh. But I couldn't do it to you because I'm a professional. That's sweet. All right. That's sweet. Are we a, done? You're a legend. <laughs> Why is he talking? Because I, I talk over everywhere. This is great. You know. All right. Well, I'm, I'm ready to uh, start the little podcast radio show, L- like L.A. Talk, whatever. Radio. Yeah, L.A. Talk Radio. Uh, is this on just in L.A.? Yeah. Yeah. yeah oh, it is? It is. Yeah. It's oh, okay. all over L.A. It helps my fan base in L.A. It goes to Santa Monica. No, wait a second. Wait, no, wait a second, Keith. You also said to me. You also said to me, you want to be on my podcast. You call this a podcast. It's it not is, a podcast. It is a podcast because when it comes out, I yeah. put it on a podcast. Oh, so, it, so it's actually playing all over the place. Yeah. So your imaginary listeners all over the world can do this. not just your imaginary listeners in Los oh, Angeles, no, everywhere. No, exactly. Cool. Yeah. yeah. See, and, but I don't know. When I asked you to do the podcast, you said, I'll only do it if you were funny. I never said that. Yeah, and at the show, and then after. Oh, if you were funny at the at the club, yeah, and you were funny, yeah, and it was funny. And remember that guest set that they put on. I'm trying to remember. You know, I play so many clubs. You know, you know the thing is. They say, Bobby, we have a guest set tonight, and I don't mind giving somebody yeah. a few minutes. You know, I said, the only time I don't like a guest set is like Friday, Saturday night, and we have two shows because, you know, they got to clear the first show. That's just it. And then the late show, people are tired. People are so stupid, and they're young, and they're drunk, and I don't want the show to be extended any longer than it has to be and take it away from guys like us who are on the bill. But at the same time, if somebody wants to do five, ten minutes, mm-hmm. but I'm trying to remember, was, was, uh, it was got really bad? Or he good? was really bad, and you were, like, stressing out. And then after a show, he asked you, how you did and because uh, he was a waiter there no wait a second oh, wait 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 I do remember of course oh no no yeah, of course I remember yeah no he, but you're the one that gave him crap no I didn't 
I didn't give him. I, I, I remember busting his chops a little, but but you know what? That's what comics do. Yeah. It's almost like you know rookie ball players when they cut their shoelaces and you know well, and they they kind of initiation. But I, he was. You know, he had a well. I don't know. I don't really remember, but I remember him not being great. Yeah, and then uh, he said, "He's like, so do you think I was good?" And then you said, "I think you're a great waiter." <laughs> yeah, I, I, I don't remember, but I heard you were busting his chops afterwards. That he had no right being up there. And somebody said, "Were you getting a lot of shit or something?" Me? No, I no. He he asked me. He was like, um, "How do you think I did?" I said, uh, "Whatever." Yeah. Uh, because like I think I think it, you shouldn't ask for a guest set if you're not polished to do a guest set. You know what I mean? Well, I, you know, it was an, wasn't it? The, was it the last night? Was it a Sunday night? Or yeah, it was the last night. You know, I, it's it's fine. It doesn't. I got bigger things to worry about. So I wants to do five minutes. And, yeah. You know, but I just it does make the show. You know, people do go to a professional comedy show. And then they it's not open mic night. Yeah. So they but, should really do it for just. Guys who are either professional or want to be professional, or you know, or you. Yeah, what? <laughs> <laughs> you're included. No, yeah. but the cool thing about Bobby uh, is, and Bobby, I told you this, but you're uh, my grandfather was. Oh, you're my favorite. You were his favorite, you know, stand up. And before he died, we saw you in Vegas. And so it was a real. You know, I didn't kill him by performance. <laughs> no. Right before he died, he saw you, and next thing you know, <laughs> boom, boom, goodbye, Grandpa. No, no, but uh, but no, Pop. That's great. Pop loved you and stuff, and then like uh, Las Vegas. Yeah, and then he was like, "Oh, I would love to see you open up for him," and it, it really hurt because it's like he never got to saw that. But then it was like a dream accomplished to me that. I, I got to open up for it. Yeah, well, you know, I wish I had dreams that little. <laughs> that all my dreams would be realized. I have such big dreams. Maybe I shouldn't shoot so high. You, if, you're, if this is one of your dreams, that's cool. I'm glad I could help out. Yeah. Now, now, wait, was it you? Oh, my God. I, I, because it might not. I think it was because I, I never saw a posting like this on Facebook. Is it you that said... You don't love your grandmother anymore? You hate your grandmother? Was that you? Something to that effect? I didn't say I don't love her anymore, but yeah. I not, you unfriended your grandmother. Oh, yeah. Oh. My grandmother unfriended Un- me. Yes. Unfriended wow. you. I yeah. First of all, I don't know. Maybe, maybe just because I'm old. Maybe because my grandparents are dead. But I, I just couldn't imagine if my grandparents were alive. Or even my, well, my parents are alive. My mother's alive. Just being on Facebook. But your grandma is on Why would she unfriend you? I think just because, like, I make a lot of grandma jokes. and Did you give her wrong directions, too, someplace? Oh, that could have been. <laughs> grandma, why don't you maybe take you out for lunch? <laughs> and then you have the wrong street, the wrong address, and poor grandma. And you know state. she doesn't have Google Maps or Ways, so grandma oh, was probably screwed. That's bad. Now, what did she unfriend you? That's probably what I did. I'm actually happy she unfriended me because she used to like every single status and, mm. and like, post, like, cute things. It must have hurt. Yeah, and I was like, uh yeah. Why did she unfriend you? Honestly, I just think she unfriended me because she saw my stand up and I don't talk about her in a bright way. Like, I make jokes about her. Right. Like, like a joke I have is like, uh, I was playing games with my grandma. We were playing paper, rock, scissors, but she thought we were playing paper, rock, seizures. <laughs> oh, nice. Oh. And she just. I'm going to unfriend you now. Yeah, that's me. No, what? No, no. Don't unfriend me. But no, so. <laughs> I get very sensitive when people unfriend me with my, like, Asperger's. I think I take it personal or something. You do take a lot of things personal. But, you know, I take things personally, we too. We all do. You, you, know, you, know, you know, the thing with the Facebook and the Facebook is that I never realized you can only, they cut you off at 5,000 friends. So I would just friend everybody. Oh, yeah. And then there were a couple of people, um, comics and actors, who I go, well, they want, and then I, I couldn't add them on. So I had to start deleting, you know, the teenage girls from Thailand and the, you know, the, yeah, the, the sheep herder from India. And I, and who with no vowels in his name. Who yes, are these? Sure. I, well, I don't and, get, yeah, exactly. What's that? I'm just this, saying, I, I've had the same experience. Nobody's talking to you. Um, oh, he's, he's, he's like a, a retarded Paul Schaefer oh, without, without, a, oh, without a piano. Here we, go, here we go. Here we go. I knew it. I knew it. Knew what? What did you know? I knew he was going to start up on me. I'm not starting I up on you. I just don't see why you're here. I love it. Alan, Alan's here because I, I can't drive at That's night. That's right. See, I, I have to drive. Oh, I, I knew there was a reason. So he can't I, find I, I, the address. He can't find the address. Oh, and okay. I can't yeah. find the address. Yeah. yeah. Well, at least, yeah. at least you had the right address. I did. Okay. So, Bobby, I, I... Why don't they let you drive at night? Uh, I just I just don't drive at night because what it is is, like, I don't see light that good. So, like, stop signs and, you know, 
red, green, blue. I just have a hard time seeing light. With Are you Chinese? No, no. Okay. I'm Caucasian. Okay. And uh, but you know, with my Aspergers, I'm very sensitive to the light, so I don't see. Oh, oh, that's right. I think you told me that. Yeah. I think you told me that. Yeah. Uh, when I opened up for you, my girlfriend at, at the time actually. Uh, She's gone already. That wasn't that long ago. We were. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know. I thought you were still with her. No, oh. no. It's short story. Uh, whatever. Anyways, um, changing the subject, I posted on Twitter questions for Bobby Slayton. And so you want to hear uh, questions from the Twitter feed? I can't wait. You can't wait? <laughs> I can't imagine <laughs> reading this Twitter feed and what they have to say. This is, no, no good can come with this. But okay, sure, of course. We have 45 minutes to kill. What else am I going to do? Well, no, I'm going to retard and Paul Schaefer over here? I mean... <laughs> Hi, Bobby. What? Okay. Bobby, when did you start doing stand-up comedy? Do you remember your first time on stage? Oh, my God. These are the kind of questions I'm going to have to get. Um, Yeah, of course. I I think every... That's like saying, do you remember... I even think a guy like Mick Jagger probably knows remembers the first woman he had sex with. I mean, the first time, you know, you're doing stand-up. It's a major thing. Yeah. You know? Well, tell us about it. It was pretty... I have it on... You know, I actually have it on tape. It was 38 years ago, and I have it on a little. I've been on a cassette. Remember, what the, you ever hear those things? Yeah, yeah. Where they came right, right after eight tracks. We had these cassette things back in the. Uh, um, I would go to Best Buy in my covered wagon <laughs> and buy stock up on. But yeah, so yeah, I remember the first time I did stand up. I went. There was a club in San Francisco called the Holy City Zoo, and um, they did comedy. They did professional comedy on Sunday nights and open mic night on Tuesday and the other nights it was a really small club it was literally I think 70 or 80 seats max I so small and uh, oh my god maybe not even that big so but you know what when you're first time on stage when it's a full room with 70 people that really is a big crowd yeah you know when you've never been on stage before outside of fourth grade the lion the witch and the wardrobe <laughs> which I killed by the way open and closed in one day um, <laughs> but we um Yes, yeah, so, so anyway, I was, at, I was at a party, and somebody said to me, uh, you know, I was always uh, telling jokes or something. I mean, I've never, I never did stand-up, but somebody said, you should do stand-up. There's a place called the Holy City Zoo. Um, and you should, I was, I was a bike messenger downtown. I was 21 years old. And uh, so I go on Sunday night to the so-called professional comedians, mm-hmm. and they weren't really very good. I mean, I didn't really watch it that much. It was, it was packed. And I'm watching the I could do this. And the guy booking the club, uh, Tony DePaul, said, you want to go on tonight? I said, no, I was going to sign up for Tuesday. Next Tuesday, I mean, you know, nine days from now. Because I, I, I've never done stand. I've never, I didn't have any routines. I didn't, I didn't, it's not like I did in the college rascal or my fraternity or, you know. It was like Billy Crystal performing at all my parents' parties. So I said, I, I got to put something together. But he was going to put me on the professional comedy night. And I found out months later that, that was a big opportunity because, you know... You know, they, all these guys had these little power trips where, you know, yeah. they would never put, you know, you're an amateur, so you got to go on Tuesday. And even if you got there early to sign up, they put you on the whip of the guy, you know, Tony booking it. So anyway, I spent nine days riding around like a mental patient on my little bike delivering stuff in downtown San Francisco, putting together five minutes. And I got up on stage and I signed up second. And I thought he was going to put me on second and he didn't. But I just jumped on stage and took the mic from him. And after he's kind of pissed, he goes, hey, man, you can't just jump on stage. You go, well, I was number two. He goes, well, I just put you on whatever I feel like putting you on. But I jumped up there, and I did my little set. And for a guy that never did stand-up and didn't have, like a guy like you, I'm not saying it's easy for you, yeah. but you, you have so many comics you can watch now. There's so many comedians. You know, in a way, it makes it tougher because everything's been done. Every All the styles have been done, all the jokes, or, or a lot of them. But... You know, comics now, you have this template where you can just turn on Netflix or Comedy Central or, you know, anything. You can see, you know, The Tonight Show and you can see how stand-up's done. When I was doing it, there weren't that many comics. You know, you'd see, you know, George Carlin or some of the old old guys on The Tonight Show or Ed Sullivan or Merv Griffin. So I I didn't really see that much comedy. So you kind of had to forge your own way, you know, back then. Because you'd have all these role models and guys that people always said, hey, who do you want to be like? And I go, I, I never really watched that much comedy. And then, then somebody said, well, you like a young Lenny Bruce. And I had heard of Lenny Bruce, but I never, I never knew who he was, which we is a shame. Com- we were just commenting on how you look like Lenny Bruce. There's a young shot of you on Google. 
It's amazing. Why are you whispering like it's a... Because that's... Like that's, that's, that's why you feel like that's that? Like, that's my, like that's my radio voice. I like to talk like that. Really? Yeah. Wow. It's scary. It's a voiceover over a voiceover. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Can't you wait in the car and keep it running before no. Keith's done? <laughs> He's your driver, right? Yeah. Thank you, uh, thank you. Uh, no, no. So, uh, yeah, but Lenny Bruce, you know, no. But I, I, but here's a funny thing. So I, I, I did. I had a couple of jokes in my act, like over the next few months, and and then I started reading about Lenny Bruce and listening to him, and he had done a couple of the jokes, and obviously before I did. And I said, well, you know, that's kind of cool that I'm thinking the same lines of a guy like Lenny Bruce. I mean, I wasn't nearly as good, but at least I knew I was kind of sort of pointed in the right direction and headed in the right direction, and. And uh, so I always fancied myself like this cutting edge, even though I look back at the crap now and it wasn't really very cutting edge, you know. Um, but, you know, compared to what a lot of the guys were doing in San Francisco back then, you know, impressions and, you know, I guess some of it was kind of, uh, you know, a little bit more biting than, you know, when, when people would get pissed, I'd get, I kind of liked it. Yeah. So it, it was, I kind of went that route. And now, you see where it got me on your dumb... Podcast. You see, after forty years, look where I've wound up. No, no, I, I appreciate you doing this podcast. I know, I am. I'm but, happy um, to be here. Um, did you? Did you? Do you remember if you killed that night? Or? Well, I have the tape. Yeah. You know, you know, young comedians used to ask me for advice all the time, and I, I was in no position to give anybody advice. But I used to say, you should really tape yourself. And I used to record myself all the time. Yeah. And then, you know, I I drive back from the Irvine Improv back to LA. You know, an hour drive, and I'd put the cassette in, and a lot of times I thought that set went okay and it went a lot better than I thought. And then sometimes I thought I killed and it didn't go quite as well as I thought. And then sometimes, you know, I would, that joke didn't work and I realized how I was talking too fast. And So one of the best things to do is tape yourself. And then I found even better than audio recording yourself is to videotape yourself. Because I'd look at myself and I'd be hunched over on stage and, you know, you have these little mannerisms that... You know, very self-conscious, and you don't realize you're doing them. Yeah. I mean, you videotape yourself, and then you realize, God, that that's really stupid. And why I, you know, why I wear that shirt or my belly sticking out, or I shouldn't grab the mic that way, or you know, you you learn if you if you can be subjective and objective about watching yourself, uh, which is tough to do. But yeah. I was always very critical on my stuff, and you know, I mean, there were nights where I could I would do 45 minutes an hour and kill, but I go, okay, well, these are jokes that I've done a million times. I didn't try anything new. I didn't. Go out on the uh, out on a limb. Yeah. I've done you know so a lot of times. But getting back to what you said about did I kill? No, I didn't kill. Yeah. Um, but for a new guy, for his first time on stage with pretty dumb material, I did what well. Yeah, you know, and audiences back then. Audiences now, you go to a comedy club. You know, it's I think a little bit easier because people are there to laugh. You know, the open mic night, they're there to laugh, but people weren't really trained. People didn't know how to act, you know. They, yeah. I mean, people still do that. Oh, it was an echo of my part of the show, and he wanted me to give, yell at him. People are still idiots. Yeah. <laughs> They'll never change. I think, uh, I think, like, I don't do open mics. I mean, I haven't done open mics in, like, seven years, but I remember when I did them, no one laughed. And then when you do comedy shows, people, like, are there to laugh. Yeah, it's, it's tough. Well, you know, the other thing, though, is I used to open up for a lot of rock and roll bands. In San Francisco, and sometimes you weren't even billed. You know, there's comedians that have done bits about it, Albert Brooks and Billy Crystal. There's a lot of guys. I mean, a lot of a lot of comics cut their teeth opening for bands, and that can be the toughest, but the most rewarding because when people are not there to see you, they don't even know you're on the bill. You know, they're there to see whoever Tom Jones or you, you opened know, up for Tom, Tom Jones. No, I didn't. <laughs> no, no, I. You know, my act was never clean enough to play all the. You know. A lot of my friends would open up for Diana Ross and maybe Frank Sinatra and, uh, you know, The Fifth Dimension and all these middle-of-the-road but really good, you know, big-drawing Vegas acts. My act was always too blue or dirty or I don't even like to call it blue or dirty, but it wasn't Vegas mainstream. So I opened up for rock bands. And I, I was some Motown people, Four Tops, Ray Charles, uh, Tower Power. I mean, a lot of bands, Warren Zevon. Um a lot of bands and that, those were well it, you know when I was a younger comic it was tough yeah. those crowds for a band how, how did how'd you deal with them yeah because I've never opened up for a band it was tough it was really tough but like I said when you did well in a way it was a lot more rewarding than doing well in a comedy club because people are not there to laugh and they're not there to see you you know I remember there was one time in uh, Tahoe 
Yeah, I mean, you know, you always wanted to be on the bill. And most of the time I was. But July 4th weekend, back in the 80s, I was opening up for Eddie Money when Eddie was like at the top of his game. And, and uh, so I get up to Caesars Tahoe, and it's hard enough opening for a rock band. Um, but my name is not on the marquee. Yeah. And I call up the entertainment director. He goes, well, you know, the marquee people, you know, the union people, they've already left. And we, we can't get your name up there. So it was going to be tough enough opening for doing this show. And you, know, you get a rowdy, you know, people are, you know, hanging out and skiing all day, whatever they're doing now, stoned out of their minds. And the lights come down and the big roar goes up. And then they go, please welcome comedian Bobby Slayton. And, you know, a few people clapped because I was from the Bay Area. I started, and, and Lake Tahoe was not far away. So, you know, maybe a quarter of the audience knew who I was. And maybe half of them wanted to see me. So that was always a challenge. And that's why I always started talking so fast. Because, you know, it was like, get them before they get you. It was like, kill or be killed. Yeah. That's very... And see, that's the thing, like, why I admire your stand so much. Because you're so old school <coughs> comedy, you know. And not a lot of guys do, you know, what you do. Just go up real fast and just... No, they don't. Yeah. No, they don't. And so, Don Rickles, you call him the... Don Rickles of comedy, the pit bull of comedy. Are you falling asleep as you're talking? Yeah, I am. I you am feel falling, like you're about to nod off. Falling as asleep. you said, it comes to the I am. I've had a hard, you sound, had a hard you like day. Yeah, it sounds like you Thank have, you. It Thank like you. You have a thought. You have a thought, but you can't just Here take the sentence to fruition. It's like, you know, Don Rickles. Yeah, yeah. Don, Don. I, I, you have to, have to grab on that last word. Was it, that, that was, like every here's my Don Rickles laugh with it. <laughs> Is that better? <laughs> that was great. <laughs> That was great. <laughs> doing a whole hour of him doing impressions. <laughs> you should have interviewed me as Don Rickles. Nobody would have known. Uh, that, that, that was the second question I actually got what? on uh, what? Twitter. Uh, Bobby, where did the nickname the Pitbull of Comedy come from? Did oh, God, I get that so much. <laughs> oh, do you? Uh, yeah. We don't need to answer that. I was just reading. Well, that. you know, first of all, I, I should really drop that whole thing because I'm, I'm just so tired of it. But then... Um, you know, the comedy clubs keep advertising. You know, it was years ago, my friend Alex Bennett, who had a, a really cutting-edge radio show in San Francisco, he was way before Howard Stern. As a matter of fact, Howard Stern used to talk about growing up and listening to Alex Bennett when he was a kid on Long Island. And Alex, um, you know, he was something else in the 60s and 70s. He, he advocating, you know, all kinds of you know, legalization of marijuana, which was really not, you know... That was and you have John Lennon, Yoko Ono on the show, and the Black Panthers, and it was a real radical, um, you know, left wing kind of liberal kind of, you know, it was a really cool show. So Alex went to San Francisco, and I, you know, grew up in New York. I went to San Francisco. When I found out he was doing radio there, um, I went in to see him, and I was the guy that I mean, it would have happened anyway. But morning radio, there's so many morning radio stations. You here in LA, Kevin and Bean and Heidi and Frank and you know Man County, Chicago and Keith you know Stern. I mean, there's a, every, every city's got 20 radio shows where they do comics on on on, on the morning show. And uh, I'm not saying Alex and I were the first ones, but it was on a regular basis when I went to see Alex. He goes, "You know any other comedians?" And I brought in Dana Carvey and Kevin Pollock, and eventually we got Robin Williams to come in and. Uh, a lot of guys, and they would be part of the show, and it became a whole big morning thing. There were all these San Francisco comics, um, Stephen Pearl, and oh my God, there were so many guys. Um, some aren't even around anymore. But anyway, so Alex, I'm on the show one morning, and I get to do a joke about McDonald's, and every comic had a joke about McDonald's. And, you know, it was, it was McDonald's and airlines, and it wasn't even a, it wasn't really that bad. I didn't remember what the joke was, but the advertising executive from the station came running in and goes, you know, you just lost us a $50,000 account. And Alex goes, you know, you're like a pit bull. This is when pit bulls was first getting in the news. You know, they were eating the heads off the children when the babysitters weren't looking and they're attacking the mailman. And so Alex says, we put you on the radio, you're like a pit bull. You bite the hand that feeds you. And he just started calling me the pit bull of comedy or a pit bull. And that kind of stuck. Um, and the first time I did a TV show, I gave me at the improv or something, you know, they said, what's your introduction? And I just called me the pit bull of comedy, I guess. And so it just kind of stuck. And now I'm kind of burdened with it. But <laughs> you're burdened with it. But I mean, that's like... You still awake? I'm <laughs> okay. wide awake. But okay. no, but like, that's like your... Because that's, that's like your thing. Because like, when I see... When I saw you, you know, when people heckled you, you just went so fast off on them. Like, you know, you turned around... What they're going to say off on them. Well, I don't always do that. I mean, it, you know, I, I try. I mean, you know, I, I really, 
like to do my act. You know, I don't really want to... You know, Don Rickles, you know, was one of the first and still, you know, he's still one of the greatest. That he was one of those guys, you know, with Frank Sinatra and Elvis Presley, you know, going after people. And he, I mean, other comics, I'm sure, did it, but he made an art form of it. And that's his act. Yeah. And even if, you know... Well, well, it, I think it was the, the Tonight Show Johnny Carson... When you know, he calls Rickles on uh, on the carpet, Rickles, you know the black guy back there. And Johnny goes, "I don't see a black guy. There's no black guy back there." You know, because it's always some part. Because yeah. I've I've seen Rickles live, and you know, yeah, the Japanese guy up front goes, "Who do?" And there's the Japanese guy up front. So you know, Rickles makes an art of just making fun of people, even if they're not there, because yeah. that's his whole shtick. But I would really for the most part rather do my show, and a lot of times I just start talking to people, and I don't mean to. Uh, if I'm talking about marriage, hey, you two married? What, are you guys gay? And then do my gay stuff. And I, I kind of want to bring the audience in. And sometimes they really think that now they're part of the show and they just start talking back to me, which is my fault for talking to them in the first place. But there are shows that I do where I do an hour and 45 minutes of it. It's talking to the audience and doing the material and intertwining it and it works out great. It's nice to know I just have the material to fall back on, but I bet people come to my show and sit up front and they get really pissed. Well, we're not here to be part of your show. And then I have people thinking I'm going to be like Rickles who come to my show and want to be picked on. And they're like, man, we yeah. came to your show and you, you, didn't, you didn't pick on us at all. And, you know, it's like it's damned if I do, damned if I don't. You know, there, there's some comedy clubs that put up signs when I play. You know, Bob Slane is one of our favorite comics, although we recommend if you faint at heart, his material might not be suitable for, uh, you know... And then people go, there was nothing. You know, they, they see the sign and they come in expecting, God, this guy's going to be dirty and blue and outrageous. And, and I'm really not. Yeah. And then, but they do it, the comedy clubs do it so when people do get upset. Well, we had the sign. Yeah. That, you know. That's smart. Yeah. But uh, they said that really brings in more people, you know, than, than scares people away. Yeah. You know. Did they have the sign up Bray? I don't think they did. Uh, I don't think they wanted Bray, but most of the improvs used to. Yeah. You know, um, Comedy Magic Club used to and... A few clubs, Funny Bones, sometimes put some something like that. You know, it's like the ride thing at Disneyland. If you have high blood pressure, yeah. bad back, you might want to attend a different ride or something. You know, yeah, that kind of thing. Now, which one do you enjoy playing more, casinos or comedy clubs? I don't enjoy playing anywhere. I just you don't. I would stay home for the rest of my life. Oh. You know, you know, I I don't play that many casinos. Um, but, you know, it depends because, you know, if you play in a big theater, I mean, the thing is that I never got to the point where, like, Ray Romano or Jay Leno or Louis Black, I go to Vegas and very often I'll play a comedy club or I'll do a weekend out at the South Point or the Orleans. You know, they're smaller casinos and they're great. Um, I would much rather play a showroom yeah. than a comedy club because, the, you know, the, when you play in a showroom, if you play in a casino in Vegas, you know, people have a lot of choices in that town. If they're coming to see you, I mean, they could have got free tickets. They might be in the hotel. But the fact that, I mean, because I was in Vegas for a long time, and I was at Hooters, at Tropicana. Um, that's where I saw you at, as Hooters. Really? Yeah. And that's a whole other story. I don't really want to get into that one. <laughs> but, um, but now I play the South Point once or twice a year. And it's great because I, it's Bobby Slayton and friends that I bring, uh, you know, a couple other comedians. And people are there to see comedy. You go to a comedy club, I mean, they're there to see comedy, but a lot of them... You know, they, it's it's a different uh, dynamic in a comedy club. Yeah. You know, and they're not as monitored as well. Maybe they're not as expensive as the casinos. People pay, you know, 30, 40 bucks for a ticket. I think they tend to pay attention more, although that's not always true. Yeah. You know. Yeah, I've never performed at a casino, so I don't know. Yeah. You want to take me to South Point? No. Oh, excellent. Well, no, but if that was one of your dreams, but it wasn't. Your dream was opening for me. You need to have bigger dreams. I told you that at the beginning of the broadcast. Oh, my new dream is to tour with you. Yeah. A lot of guys want to do that. Not as, not as, not as pretty as it sounds. Uh, I'll, I'll, right, a more I'll, dumb question from your imaginary listeners. What else you got? No, no. Uh, this one says, Bobby, which movie do you like better, Candy Shack or Ghostbusters? <laughs> Which movie do I like better? Sure. Yeah. Caddyshack or Ghostbusters? Ghostbusters? Yeah. What does that have to do with me? I don't know. This is just a Twitter question. <laughs> well, let me let me think about that because I haven't seen it either before. I love both of those. I love Caddyshack and I love Ghostbusters. They were both really good. There were no, neither of them were Weekend at Bernie's, but... Uh, oh, Weekend at Bernie's was hysterical. Was it? Oh. I didn't have, I'm not sure I ever made it through it. Um... Anyway, and Weekend at Bernie's 2 came You know, I was in some hotel room a couple of months ago, and you know, there weren't a lot of channel options, and uh, it wasn't a lot going on. And 
American Movie Classics, Weekend of Bernie's 2, and I started watching it going, you know, I didn't really get what was going on because I didn't see the first Weekend at Bernie's. It's like, I think it's a trilogy, isn't it? I like both those movies. I think Caddyshack may be maybe Rodney's more. in there. Rodney, Rodney Dangerfield. Huh? Rodney's <laughs> Rodney Dangerfield. <laughs> Sounds like he's whispering answers to you. you know I mean? I'm just agreeing with him. Like, yeah. <laughs> Rodney Dangerfield, yes, he was in that. Yes. In, in, I thought yeah, I'd bring Caddyshack. that up. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Bobby, um... Uh, I hope he's a better driver than he is a, a interview guy. Oh, he's a great driver. He's actually a sidekick. Wait, 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 for a second. These great soundproof studios. People, I think my ride's here. Can you hear that? You can actually hear the sirens <laughs> in these beautiful L.A. talk radio soundproof booths. It's great. Uh, Bobby, the... Uh, yeah, can you, and then good headphones, too. <laughs> I know. Well, somebody, like, turned these on so loud. Anyways... Okay. And my glasses are falling off. Um, I have a question. Uh, do, you, do you enjoy acting more than stand-up? No. No? I hate acting. Yeah, I kind of figured that. I hate it. Yeah. I mean, I mean, you know, I wish I had more acting jobs only because you feel like you're in show business. Yeah. You know, you're playing, uh, you know, the jukebox comedy club in Peoria. You, you can be more removed from showbiz except for doing your show. <laughs> um, you know, you, you, you're in a movie, and uh, it's. I mean, you know, you know it's funny. I, I actually tweeted this last night. It was, it was last I, night I, I retweeted it. Oh, you did retweet it for uh, uh, yeah, yeah, bandits and Dreamgirls. Somebody, somebody called me up and goes, "You, yeah, I've only done like ten movies," and somebody said, "Dreamgirls and Bandits are on right now," and I tweeted that. I go, "You know, two of my movies, big residual checks," and then somebody. You know, email me or Facebook me. Get Shorty was another movie I've had, like one scene. That was on yesterday also. All three of my big hits yeah. were on. <laughs> Small parts, but they were big hits. Wait, Ed Wood was a big hit? Ed yeah, actually, Ed Wood was a great movie, but it wasn't a big hit. It didn't make any money. Really? Mainstream America didn't go for that. No, they didn't make any money at all. Well, yeah, Bandits made no money. Um, great movie. That happened to come out like a week after 9-11, but it, it was so... I mean, Billy Bob Thornton, Kate Blanchett, and Bruce Willis... The three stars, um, an unknown January Jones, you know, who's in Mad Men, and then me. And now Jane Fonda's kid, he was great. Uh, Troy Garrity. But that was a really funny movie. I saw it like last week. And it was just, it never went anywhere, Bandits. You'd be surprised how many people never heard of it. Yeah, I heard of it because I, I love Billy Bob Thornton. Yeah, it's, and he was great to work with. He was a lot of fun. But that movie, yeah, never went anywhere. And Ed Wood was so cool. Um, that surprises but, me. Ed Wood didn't make any money. You know why? Because the movie, the American public, you know, all these idiots go see, they went to see the movie because, you know, Johnny Depp is yeah. in it. But Johnny Depp was playing this quirky, oddball Ed Wood. Yeah. It's over the top, you know, lunatic. And uh, I don't think that people really got it. I know I know that my mother and friends of mine from high school, you know, we haven't seen the movie. It's terrible. It was great. You know, Martin Lando won Academy Award, best actor yeah. for playing, uh, you know, Lugosi. It was great. I I loved it. Well, you get stuff like that. You're, you're that kind of guy, you know. But I, you, you go to Comic Con and all that, right? I do go to Comic. Yeah, that's why I figured. I go to I do um, interviews at Comic Con. I figured that. Yeah. I mean, there's nothing wrong with that. I just figured you were a Comic Con. You know, you're probably too young to be in the Kiss Army, though, right? Yeah. Okay. I'm a little too young for that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but what, what was it like working with Tim Burton? Was that cool? Uh yeah. I only worked on the movie for three or four days, and he was. Uh, could not have been cooler. It was almost like you know the you know the scenes I was in, uh, they were kind of ad libbed. Uh, you know, they, there was there was one with Criswell, you know the um, the you know the gay psychic that, and and and, and Bell Lugosi and and I, I kind of ad libbed the scene. There were lines, and he, he told me I could make stuff up. So he really didn't give me much direction. Yeah, I didn't really do much in that movie. I was literally in Edward. I was in one scene. It was actually two. They cut it down to one. But it's funny that my guy. That's why I don't like doing movies. I mean, that was a great experience. But standing around for four days to be in a movie for literally a minute and a half, that movie got me on the Academy Awards because when, when Martin Landau was nominated, they showed a clip from the movie and they showed me in the background. He was talking to Johnny Depp and I'm on stage as Slick Slumopovich, Seeker of Adventure. And um, 
you know. So I was on the Academy Awards thanks to the movie well, that's, for an eighth of a second. Well, I mean, that's still something to be huge about, right? Uh, it's one of my dreams, I guess. That was a dream, <laughs> be on the Academy Awards. So I guess I did reach a dream. Yeah, yeah. And then Are the, you laughing or sleeping? No, I'm snoring. I wanted to snoring? see Somewhere Over the Rainbow, but you won't give me a chance. Oh. I no, think, I have a question. Okay, a big question for Bobby. All right, you play you played Joey Bishop yeah. in a May, movie made for TV. Yes, the Rat Pack. Right, you have no comment on that. No comment. Yeah, I want to comment. <laughs> oh, you want to comment? <laughs> I want to comment. Oh, oh, you want to comment? No, Joey Bishop. I just. Oh. I it's amazing. I just. I'm so impressed with. That. No comment. You know, you'd be surprised how many people don't even remember who Joey Bishop is. That's why it's so hard <laughs> playing comedy clubs now because you know it's it's you get. Kids that don't know who the Beatles are can't name them, and I always hate people. It's before my time. Well, you know what? World War II was before my time, and so was Thomas Edison, and so was Al Jolson, and so was there's a lot of things. Uh, barely, yeah. And, I mean, I know who these people are, and I know what they've done, and I know, but yeah. people just use no, this. You know, popular culture today. So it's, it's such awful. It's awful. I mean, there's some good stuff out there. Some great stuff. There always will be, but you know, people got to know the roots of music, and they got to know the roots of. You know, television and, and Hollywood, and they're just so stupid. And that's why I'm glad 30 years from now that there'll be no more world. You can't do Ed Sullivan impressions today. I, I think Rich Little probably still does one. But, um, yeah, even though you couldn't do that. Couldn't even do a Johnny Carson one. You'd be surprised how many kids don't know who Johnny Carson is. Yeah, that's um, true. But, yeah, yeah, doing that Rat Pack movie was pretty cool. That was really great. You know, because to work with Ray Liotta playing yeah. Sinatra... His birthday was the other night. And, you know, Joe Montaigne playing Dean Martin, you know, and then the great mm-hmm. Don Cheadle playing Sammy. Oh. And me being Joey Bishop was really kind of like the real Joey Bishop because Joey was a talented guy, but he's just a nightclub comic. You know, he wasn't one of the showbiz heads on Mount Rushmore like those three guys. So here I am working with three major Hollywood actors. So in a way, I kind of was like the Joey Bishop, like Tito Jackson. Oh. I was part of the family, but totally dispensable. Nice. Yeah. Who played Peter Lawford? Oh, yeah, what's his name? Uh, Peter was great. Uh, <laughs> uh, Ang- Angus McFadden, oh, a Scottish you. actor, who, um, he was great. He was really good. Um, now, did you do any research, like, playing him? Or? Yeah, I did a lot of research. Yeah, it was great. <laughs> I, I, because, yeah, no, I did, I did. No, I, thought, I didn't know whether to take that seriously or not. Huh? What? Because you didn't like acting. I, a form yeah, of that's no, why no, I but, but, but here's the thing with Joey Bishop. So... <laughs> It took me forever to get the part. Yeah. I had to go and read three or four times. And first they thought I was too old. I was 42. Joey Bishop was 42. Ray Liotta was playing the part of 42. And Frank Sinatra at the time was 42. Mm-hmm. Give or take a year. I think we were all yeah. about 42. And I looked the same age as Ray Liotta. You know, same height as Ray Liotta. Maybe a little bit shorter. And it, which would have, was perfect, you know. And I'm going, but, but why... Why do I look too old? And then I dyed my hair so I look younger, and, and they kept bringing in all these other actors, and finally I got it. So I said, I, I had only done about 10 movies, and every part I've ever done has been a fast-talking New York Jew. That's Joey Bishop, although he's from Philly. I was basically playing the same part, but I never played a real person before. So I have these visions of De Niro as Raging Bull and Meryl Streep <laughs> learning how to play the cello and speak German or whatever the hell they, they, these method actors do. So I go to the Museum of Broadcasting where they have every... It's an amazing place in Beverly Hills. We got one in New York, too. It's great. There. It's great. And um, so I, I pack a little snack and I sneak it in and I say to my wife, go to the Museum of Broadcasting. I got my notebook. I'm going to watch Joey Bishop. I'm going to watch the Joey Bishop show. He had a, he had a, you know, a talk show and a sitcom. And I'm going to sit watch him for hours and study him. And literally, after <coughs> 10 minutes, I go, well, I got it. Because he was just like me. You know, he talked a little like Jackie Mason, you know, like the aunt, the aunt dog. It's me, Joey, Frank. Hey, Sammy. Hey, Dean. I wish and the people out there could see this. I uh, wish they could see it right here. Oh. Joey Bishop. Yeah. Fantastic. Thank you. Thank you. Is this one of your dreams to see me do Joey Bishop? (laughs) No, I wanted to play Regis. I make both of you guys. I'm making your dreams come true today. (laughs) I'm so happy I could help you too, especially during the holiday season. Now, Bobby, we have have another uh, Twitter question. Uh, Where do you get these Twitter questions from? That's a good question. From from Twitter, my my fan base. Oh. Yeah. Uh, Do you want to know who's tweeting (coughs) this? 
or I don't care. Uh, right. If you want to tell me, I mean, sure, if, if you make the person happy. Okay. What do you keep coughing in the microphone for? Sorry, what the fuck's wrong with you? I'm sorry. You made, okay. you made me laugh so much. This I is from you can, you can cough in the other direction. You don't have to go right into the I'm microphone. Just, and then people cover, think people think it's my... me. They go, Bobby Slayton's got Ebola. What the, what's wrong with Slayton? Why is he coughing so much? Okay, here, it's me. I'm the coughing one. I'm coughing. I want everyone out there to know it was me. Okay, here's a, here's a question for Bobby. Bobby, do you write down your material, or do you just say it on stage, or both? And this is both. from Ron Dude. Ron, yeah, Ron Dude. Ron, Ron Dude? Yeah, Ron Dude. I just retweeted it, so you, you know, you could you say No, oh, I believe you. You have to show me. Um, um, yeah, you know, I, of course I write it down. I, I have notes in my pocket. It's my little security blanket. I've never gone on stage without notes in my pocket. Rarely do I take them out. But, yeah. you know... Sometimes, you know, I, right before I go on, I look at a few new things I want to try, and I always have them in my pocket. Um, but I always write it. No, I mean, I ad lib a lot of stuff, and I make up stuff, and some stuff is, you know, maybe happened that day or is going on, and I make it up as I go along. But I have a base, a core of material that, yeah. you know, I don't always get to most of it, but I like to know I have it written down in case I, my mind goes blank. Now, I, I have a question. You've been doing stand-up for a long time. Long time. Yeah, and you're one of the best. How much material do you have? Is it like 24 yeah, no, hours? Not as much as you would think. Really? No, you look at guys like Bill Burr and Louis C.K. who write a new hour every half an hour. Those guys are just always writing. Um, I mean, I have three CDs. So right there three are hours. three hours. Okay. But you have and a special. Born to be Bobby. Yeah, and that's a lot of that stuff. You know, people are complaining because they say, well, a lot of this stuff is old material from his other, from all his CDs. But I'd never done a one-hour special, so I wanted to do the best of, you know. So I took a lot of that stuff, plus some new stuff. and But that was four or five years ago already. So, I mean, I mean, if I did every bit I had, which I would, could never remember, um, you know, an hour of it's probably obsolete by now. You mm-hmm. know, it's um, it's been done... By other people, not the same. Not the people took it from me, but you know the premises have been done to death. Or, I mean, I haven't really looked back at a lot of the stuff, and you know. Um, but I, I, if I had to stay on stage and I had my notes and I slow down, I mean, I, I could probably do two or three hours. Yeah, that's cool. I don't wouldn't want to. Oh, you won't want to? No, yeah. I mean guys like Dave Chappelle and Carl's been seeing about you know doing two hour shows. What the hell are you doing? I mean. That's great. People are laughing, and you want to be up there. I mean, I think once I did an almost an hour, 45, an hour, two-hour show once. But I don't, you know, it's like leave them wanting more, you know, and yeah. the old showbiz saying. Now, do, do you find, like, this is just my question, because I, everyone loves Louis C.K., and I personally, I think he's a good writer, but I don't think he's a great stand-up. Well, I haven't really watched him do that much stand-up. Yeah. I, from what I've seen, he's, I've always loved him. And, you know, he, he did the nasty show in Montreal a few times with me, and he was spectacular. But I don't really watch comics for, like, an hour that often. Yeah. You know? Because um, you're worried about your, your hour, right? I think, that, I think the great thing about Louis C.K. is that Louis just gets up, and I think a lot of times he's kind of just almost writing while he's up there. And it's not all going to hit. Yeah. You, you just keep doing that. You're going to get a lot of material. I, that, I love the guy, the fact that he's not afraid to take chances and just say what's on his mind. And um, From what I've seen him, I love him. But then again, I haven't sat and watched that much stuff. I think also a lot of times people build up somebody so much, you know, and then when you finally see him, you go, oh, they're not that great. You hear so much about him. You expect yeah. so much. and. You know, if somebody, Woody Allen does a great movie, Andy Hall, and then the next one's not as good. Well, you know, or Billy Crystal hosts the Oscars. He was better last year. You know, when you, 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 you're you a perfect 10, then you hit an 8 or a 9, you go, ah, he's much better last year. Mm-hmm. You know, to, to rise to that level, you yeah. know, it's it's got to be difficult. I've never been up there, so I wouldn't know. I've never been to that rarefied air. Do you, do you ever do the comedy store? No. No? No. Why not? Because when I started out... You know, in San Francisco, you know, from New York. I came down here, me, Dana Carvey, Kevin Pollack, a few other guys. And you kind of either played the store or the improv. There were a few guys like Leno and Seinfeld that played both. But I think Leno and Seinfeld, all these more New York, Boston, you know, monologists kind of started gravitating more to um, 
the, the improv. And the comedy store was more the California comics, the prop comics, and the women comics. and the I mean, there was plenty of great comics. I mean, Pryor used to play there and all the time. But it was more, uh, it was a different scene. And when I first came down from San Francisco, Mitzi Shore, who ran it, wouldn't really give me the time of day. And uh, I often like the vibe over there. And I went over to the improv, and Bud Freeman and Mark Lano, you know, both New York Jews, and, you know, they were both... You know, and all the comics that were playing there, it was mostly, you know, guys from New York, Mark Schiff and Larry Miller and Seinfeld and, you know, friends of mine and guys I liked. And so I played there. But now, when I'm in L.A., it was hard enough for me to come to the bottom of the hill to do your show. <laughs> I don't want to go out and do show. You know, the second the show's over, I, I told my wife, you heard me right before we went on. I said, take the pizza dough out of the fridge, turn the oven on, you know. Hit and, R, uh, record. Huh? Hit R record. I heard that. Heard you you heard that? that? I actually heard that. Well, wait, nobody, nobody knows what that means. Hey, wait, you record a pizza? I'm so no, I, I had to have a record the um, uh, show for me. Oh, uh, right. But, but I don't like to go out and do stand-up when I'm home. You know, I, uh, on the rare occasion I get a TV show, you know, I, I'll go to the Comedy Magic Club or Laugh Factory and I'll try the five minutes out. But since I'm on the road so much... I can do that on the road. I don't need to when I'm home. Yeah. You know, in the old days, you go to the improv and casting people hung out there and, you know, the talent scouts for the Tonight Show. And Nobody really does that anymore unless they're coming to see you. And nobody needs to come see you because, you know, you, you can just send them a tape or they can watch you on YouTube. Yeah. Or listen to you on, on, on the on pod, L.A. Talk Radio. On L.A. Talk Radio. What's the name of the show anyway? You have a name for it? Yeah, it's uh, Razor Riffs. Razor Riffs? Yeah, like Razor because it's my last name, and Riffs because we're just talking. And, yeah. Oh, Razor. I have uh, the Razor. Oh, Razor Riffs. Razor, yeah. like a Razor. This shark. podcast, actually, like the reason why I do it is because it helps with my Asperger's. It helps me socialize more. So, like, that's why I enjoy this doing This is the therapy podcast. for both of us. I'm yeah, not saying hobby. it's therapy. I'm just saying it helps me open up and talk oh, to people. That's really? healthy. But I'm glad I, I can help. It's great. <laughs> You're it's making like my dreams come true, Bobby. We should change your name to from yeah. Pitbull Bobby the to, Dream Maker. Exactly. Mother Teresa, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You just take me on the road with you. I'll do the five oh, minutes and be like, I go. made that kid's dreams come true. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, we have one last uh, Twitter question. Thank God. <laughs> Why is Bobby looking at his watch? Because, I'm not looking at my watch. No, I'm actually looking yawning. at the reflection of the clock in the window. <laughs> yeah. You were yawning into the microphone. I was. Yeah. I get to cough, you get to yawn. Okay, <laughs> okay let's ask this question because we got... Well, it's actually, I, I had a, a two glasses of wine right before I came up. I shouldn't oh. have done that. Very unprofessional. <laughs> I had awesome. two. That's why I'm, I'm falling asleep. <laughs> Bob, I had two. Bobby's going to kill Alan Lee. <laughs> No, no. Oh, yeah, here's the Twitter question. Um, <laughs> I feel bad for him. <laughs> okay. I feel like I'm an Ed McMahon that he can't hear. Okay, here's the question. Bobby, uh, you had a cameo in Spade's Dickie Roberts. Did you stick around for the entire shoot or meet them mingle with the cash? Cast? No. No? No. I, oh, Dickie Roberts, I forgot about that one. Um, that was written by Fred Wolf. I love Fred. Yeah. And I love Fred. Um, you think he'll do the podcast? Uh, you know what, Fred, I just saw him in the mall a few months ago, and he he was working on something. He goes, yeah, I'll call you. I never heard from him. Him and Dana Carvey were working on something. Fred's great. Uh-huh. Um, I remember when Dickie Roberts, there was a big fight scene with, uh, what's his name? Let's get ready to rumble. Was it Michael Buffer? Was that yeah. Michael Buffer? And he was really a nice guy. We were sitting around talking for hours. That's why, if, you know, you got to stand there for hours waiting and that makeup and somebody else's clothes that by dead people have worn. You know, shoes never fit properly. You know, every time they give me clothes, I always wanted to put on my own clothes. I never know. Um, but, um, you know, I, I you know, yeah, I, I sat there for like 20 minutes, talked to David Spade and did my scene. And the second my scene was over, I got out of there. Yeah. I never hang out. Yeah. I just can't wait to get, I can't wait to get the makeup off me. I don't know how women wear makeup. It's so constricting and annoying. And, uh, as soon as I'm done, I can't wait to go home and crack up with a bottle of wine because I feel I was in showbiz today. I did a movie. And uh, I remember, I think, I'm, I'm sorry if it was Dickie Roberts. I think it was Dickie Roberts. It might have been, been Dreamgirls. But it was one movie I did that we get invited to the premiere and I'm sitting right in front of the director. And 20 minutes of the movie, I go, I gotta, this really sucks. I can't leave. <laughs> 
I can't leave because the direct. I can't. This guy put me in the movie. I, I don't remember what movie it was. I don't think. Dickie Roberts was great. So was Dreamgirl. So it could have been those. But it was. Ed Wood, maybe? No, I, I loved Ed Wood. <laughs> yeah, Ed Wood, Ed Wood, my part was so small. I didn't even get invited to the premiere. I got invited to the, the cast and crew. Or well, the crew screening, like you know, yeah. you know the people who did craft services and you know <laughs> drove around the celebrities like Alan. <laughs> you know. Well, we're running out of time. Oh God! <laughs> running out of time is not as good as out of time, but no. we're heading the right direction. No, because running out is good. <laughs> How much time do we have? No, but um, do, they, uh, do you have anything coming up that you want to promote? Like, where are you this weekend or next week? No, I'm home for two weeks. Oh, really? Uh, yeah. And uh, so, where are we going in two weeks? Oh, you really want to go on the road with me, don't you? Yeah. yeah. No. Do you have any guys who are lined up to do that? Robert Duchesne? Yeah, I you love know, Robert. But you know what? The thing is, I don't make enough money to bring a guy on the road. All these comedy clubs I play, they, they hire their own acts. They don't have to pay me. I'll drive us. I drive around with you around the country. Yeah, like flying doesn't suck enough. I got to be in a car with you. Oh, I'll, I'll, I'll pay. for And then flying. when it gets dark outside, I got to take over the driving, and that's fine. It's fine. I'll, I'll pay for flying. Wait, just, you know. wait, wait, Bobby, I'm here. I'm here for you. I'll bring Alan. He could drive us. So, I got forty guys who want to work with me. I don't know why. Yeah, that would be great. A weekend with you too. All right. Oh cool. my god! He'll still crack open a bottle of wine after this. Yeah, I'm, 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 Maybe I'm, two. I'm on my way to go right now. Anyway, yeah, good, if anybody is still awake or listening, BobbySlayton.com or Pitbull of Comedy on Twitter, uh-huh. and that's that's all I have to plug. Nothing yeah. coming out. Nothing coming up. Well, we're gonna get you followers because I'm gonna I'm gonna tell everyone to follow the great Bobby Slayton. That'd be great. I, yeah. You know, I'm one of the few people that every time I tweet, I lose people. I'm gonna be the first. Me too. You no, know, but I'm I'm gonna have negative Twitter followers <laughs> in about six months. People, how many Twitter followers? I'm gonna have minus a few thousand. I don't know if anybody's ever pulled that off. Yeah, why? Because I was on Razor Riffs. No, I, I always lose people. I, I don't know he why. Need, he doesn't need this to. Oh, no, but Bobby did this for me. It was a huge favor, and I appreciate it, man. A great thank you. Cool. Thank you, Bobby. All right, guys, that's the end of the show. I'm Keith Reza, Alan Lee. Follow everyone, Bobby Slayton on Twitter. Bobby Slayton was here. Thank you. All right, next week we have uh, Craig Shoemaker, so we'll see you then. You're listening to Reza Riffs with Keith Reza and Alan Lee. Right here on LA Talk Radio. Hey guys, thanks for listening to the show. I really appreciate it. If you enjoyed it, please subscribe, rate, and review on Apple Podcast. Give us some feedback. Good, honest, terrible, doesn't matter. Also, follow us on social media. Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, at Razor Riffs. I am also on Stereo if you would like to chat with me there www.stereo.com slash Keith Reza and on Cameo www.cameo.com slash Keith Reza If you enjoyed the show, please send us a donation on the Anchor app. We really do appreciate it and we'll rift with you again soon.